you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. Oh, Kasim Aslam. Oh, yeah. I don't like not officing together because we don't get to see each other anymore. I know. I just got to move into your house. Yeah, which actually has happened in the past. That's true. That's the <laughs> origin story. We'll make a movie about that one day. Yeah, one day. I'm going to give a real quick shout out to our new members. We have uh, Sarai Hansev. Sorry to mispronounce your name. Sean Meisel. Gokay Pelivan. Homan Young. Andrew Jackson. Uh, Jason James. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> Appreciate all our new members. Uh, oh, and Peter Sonoro Zabo and Sean GG. Cool. Now, give us your questions. Come on, come on. Ah, uh, Dave's here. <laughs> Dave. Dave. Hola. <laughs> Hola, como esta? Yeah. Uh, somebody's on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, we can't see who you are because Facebook sucks. It just says Facebook user says my dudes. <laughs> yeah. Please come to you to, to, to YouTube where we will love you. It sounded weird. I was gonna say, I mean yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're all expecting, but against wow. YouTube's policy. Um, <laughs> Ryan says, Happy Friday, gentlemen. How classy, Ryan. Uh, all right, Peter, kicking us off right. Good job, Peter. Would you start using Performance Max on a new account or start with the shopping campaigns and then later switch to PMAX? The account sells a sleep vitamin with a $75 AOV. You can absolutely launch PMAX, but if it's a brand new account, here's what I would say is a, is a good idea. Launch a search, a uh, standard shopping, a PMAX, a competitor, a YouTube remarketing, and a brand campaign on a smaller budget first. Performance Max normally What's a small will, budget, roughly uh, $100 to $150 a day if you can afford that that much. Um, here's there's two methods. You need to launch PMAX and see some really good instantaneous success, or it could take you know six weeks to see it start to really rock and roll. It's not necessarily what Google um, campaign is going to start off the best. It's really about is your product desirable and is there a lot of traffic that's looking for it and are you priced competitively enough for it to convert. Um, so think about the human element of this. What I mean by that is <clears throat> think about how a person is going to buy this. If it's a well-established industry, like if you sell rakes, you know, that's well-established. People know what a rake is. Everyone that needs a rake is going to buy a rake if you have a good price and a quality product, whether you're on PMAX or, or even not. But if you wanted to say, I'm not sure if this is well-known, I'm not sure if people are buying it. I'm not sure if there's a lot of inbound search traffic or if this needs to be more of an established industry um, or it needs to be an industry that you have to establish. <clears throat> Those are the questions you have to ask yourself first before you say, okay, now what campaign type? So in all of those aside, yes, you can launch Performance Max and have great instantaneous success. We've done it many, many, many times. We've also had times, probably 20, 30% of the time where you launch PMAX campaign and then you need to start some supplementary campaigns in addition to, um, and start with the lowest hanging fruit, um, except for smart shopping. You can't launch smart shopping right now with PMAX because PMAX just takes priority and then smart shopping goes away next month. So don't do that. But you can launch a standard shopping and a DSA and a search campaign in addition to your performance max campaign and see what ends up happening. A lot of times what will happen is performance max may be going after a different audience than your search network, but once your search network starts to kick up, then it starts to whittle down and your performance max starts to lift up. Again, it's always a big kind of, you know, guessing game uh, by is Google knowing your audience? And before you would even launch PMAX to tell Google your audience, make sure that you have a optimized feed. Make sure your website has a lot of good content on it. Make sure it's built out well. If you launch a PMAX campaign and you give Google your website and there's a picture of your product on there and pretty much nothing else, PMAX will never work. Your search may. But if you have a really well built out site and you launch Performance Max and then you launch a search campaign, your Performance Max could crush it before your search campaign because Performance Max says, ah, I see everything exactly what you have on your site. It's well indexed. I can understand and read everything that's on the site. And I found a good audience on YouTube with built in remarketing plus shopping dynamic remarketing. It's always that dependent. So what I would start is going to be dependent upon, is it an established product with competitive pricing that is easily purchased and 
with a shorter sales cycle. And if, do I have a really well built out website? Yeah, I launched Pmax initially and probably put that as 50% of the budget and leave the other 50% to at least DSA inbound search and you know any sort of remarketing you want to run in addition to it. Uh, three things to say. First one is I feel like you dropped a freaking master class of a value bomb there. Whenever you're going to launch any campaign, the question is, is does Google already know who your customer is mm -hmm. or do we need to teach Google who the customer is? And by the way, teaching Google who the customer is sometimes isn't hard. It's like, oh, teachers buy chalk. Okay, I know where teachers are. Let's go get more teachers. But right. now sometimes Google knows, oh yeah, these teachers buy chalk. So, and, and in Google's mind, by the way, that becomes its own audience, chalk buyers. Mm -hmm. So Google knows who all the chalk buyers are, mm -hmm. but it might also find out that, yeah, teachers buy chalk, toddlers buy chalk, crime scene investigators buy chalk. And you can start to teach Google who these are. Parents buy chalk or their teachers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but it's, it's a really important question to ask yourself on the outset, because if Google knows who your audience is, you're going straight bottom of the funnel. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't know who your audience is, now we need to teach Google who the audience is. And that's an entirely different concept. I'll give you a good example. The, uh, this, is, this is a perfect, perfect example. There's a client uh, that we have. I'll just say their name because it's, it's an amazing product. Uh, I'm just going to tell a good story called Hitch and Sit. It is a trailer hitch um, uh, accessory. And so it slides into the back of your truck and it has stadium quality seating built in with cup holders, foldable chairs. You can customize it with oh, your company logo. Go yeah, it is. It's so, cool. so cool. So fishermen, uh, people that ski, outdoorsmen, tailgate. tailgate. Exactly. All of those are our audiences. Smart shopping worked. It was it was selling. Now, not that much. We only had like a, like a thousand dollar month budget, but it would sell like one to three per month. Cool. Spent a thousand bucks, and these were thousand dollar products, so we had a good ROAS. So the problem, the reason why smart shopping worked though, is because we earn a click, and then we just beat the crap out of these people with remarketing until they're like, okay, yes, this is cool. I'm I'm gonna buy it now. Like it was a big expensive purchase decision because a, I had no idea what it was. B, it's a thousand bucks. C, it's gonna take me a while to buy. <clears throat> Performance max didn't work at all. Performance did not work at all because it was doing inbound search traffic. And it was doing some shopping traffic, but it wasn't focusing on remarketing. So it's like, hey, do you want this $800 seat really quick? No. On to the next one. Hey, do you want an $800 seat? No. You thought it was cool? Yeah. Do you want to buy it? Not really. All right. On to the next one. So it was trying to get too much new traffic where smart shopping was remarketing old traffic and beat them over the head with it. So we actually made a pivot. We stopped Performance Max and we went pure YouTube, only wow. YouTube. The reason why is when we looked inside of the Performance Max campaign, the, um, and this is actually, uh, what's funny is, um, uh, Nick over at tier 11, he was on, on the, if you ever watched perpetual traffic podcast, Nick at tier 11 had a, he dropped a nice, what they call value bomb. He says, look at your average cost per view and then your views. And that's going to tell you how much money that PMAX campaign is spending on YouTube. Um, I used that same scenario in this scenario last week, uh, to launch the, the YouTube campaigns, because I saw that inside of performance max, the view rate was like 51% which means 51% of the people were watching these ads and not skipping, right? Yeah. So these people love this stuff on YouTube and I'm getting uh, a 0 0.05, uh, no, sorry, 0 0.005 cost per view. It was a half a penny per view. Perfect, thousand bucks a month on just establishing an industry. I'm going there first now, uh, not first, but I'm going there now. Um, and so that's what we found out. Now, should we have launched Performance Max? No, logically it made a whole bunch of sense. Established industry on all channels to an audience. Yes. The problem was the, 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 um, how PMAX works was inefficient because it, if it was, if it was established industry where people bought because it was awesome. Yeah. If this product was 200 bucks, it would have rained of rain sales mm. because it was a thousand dollar accessory that you may use three times a year. It took a while to find those people. So that's a great example of should we have launched it made sense. Just didn't pan out. You've never sounded older to me than when you said, what they call a value bomb. <laughs> what the kids are calling a value they bomb. Got, they got whippersnappers. They call it a, 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 a boom, boom values. <laughs> that was awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gift grenade. Um, <laughs> Back in World War II, we used to throw those at people. Now you guys just give away. Uh, Caden said something. I was talking to him right before this call. By the way, dude, I love that guy. Like, she's freaking just so smart and so thoughtful. Yeah. 
He said something that was really interesting to me, and, and it relates to the answer that you just gave, Peter, here. Um, Caden goes, Caden contends that if you had three John Morans working on one account full-time, three John Morans could beat Performance Max. If the three John Morans didn't have Performance Max and they were segmenting by different accounts, different audiences, whatever, right now, manual intervention could still beat Performance Max. That's his opinion. Yeah, I would, I, I would actually, I would agree. Um, no matter in that scenario, the three John Rands would be working on account with 10 times the budget in order for that same scenario to, to take place. Why, so I guess the question there becomes, even though it's 10 times the budget, and I imagine that's just because you would need the data to learn. Well, I would also have to have enough information on each channel individually to match the data that I would receive with performance max. Because performance max can cross pollinate, but if you had ten times the budget, if performance was the same or better, it would be not a wash, but I guess fine is what I'm saying. It would, yeah, it would be even. What I would say is like if you had a hundred dollars a day, I could do what performance max could do on a hundred dollars a day with a thousand dollars a day, but I'd have to break it up by a hundred dollars per per channel. Like I did hundred dollars a day to DSA, then search, then YouTube, then GSP, then search, then shopping, and then just you know remarketing on YouTube, remarketing on you know display, remarketing on Discover. Like I'd have to, I'd have to manually intervention and make sure that that was all targeting the same audience as Pmax does. It would be as efficient. I would just need more budget, and I think that's the the cost benefit of Performance Max is you can test all those those channels with a lot less than what you would do trying to test those individually. Dude, so here's what's really funny is with ten times the budget, you're as smart as the world's smartest computer. Hey, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's oh, pretty right. cool. Uh, Ryan, we're creating a PMAX campaign to replace multiple different smart campaigns. How much should this PMAX campaign spend as a percentage of the existing campaigns to start while they are all enabled? The same exact daily ad spend. Now, that is going to overspend probably by about 30%, though. So, I mean, it's just for example, if you had five $100 smart campaigns, you have to launch one $500 PMAX. They have to be equal most of the time it's going to have two campaigns one of those smart campaigns mp max enter an auction for one person so it's an either or scenario so if you're running at both 500 only one gets to win so essentially you're going to cost is going to cost the same where there's going to be overspend is when performance max says ah i want costum and smart shopping says no i want costum and smart shopping actually has better performance p max will say okay I either will just not go after Cosm or I'll go after someone else. And that or I'll go after someone else is about happening 20% of the time. But the problem is you can't launch a $300 per day uh, performance max and five $100 a day smart shopping at the same time because we've had a few scenarios where that $300 performance max campaign sucks up all the traffic but only spends $300, not the $500 that it was going to spend. So either scenario can take place and it's solely down to what campaign Google chooses to enter into the auction for your audience. Peter asks, do you think a long sales page may perform as well as a landing page instead of a Shopify product page? Yeah, as actually, especially in Pmax, we have a client that does this, um, that launched a landing page without, oh, and a Pmax campaign without a feed and used no URL expansion in Performance Max to that landing page and slightly beat their, uh, their PMAX campaign with a feed. So their long form landing page without shopping was beating the shopping uh, campaign with a product page. So hmm. you absolutely can do that. Um, my question though, and, and the problem is, is this was such a cool product and the landing page was so well done that if I was coming to the site first and I saw the product and like a few images and a description versus this amazing landing page with video and testimonials and 20 different pictures and special offers and I mean, just really, really well, well built out page. It probably costs you $10,000 to build. Um, so the cost savings isn't really there. But when I look at those two, I'm like, yeah, I would, I would actually buy from that page instead. Um, and yeah, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. Uh, you don't, just because they didn't use a shopping ad doesn't mean that that page is any less effective. So when Pmax is using shopping placements and you have a Shopify product page and you have a elongated landing page, is it always gonna go to the product? Page. No, your Shopify connection to Google Merchant Center is something called content.api. And content.api, it that is the 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 conduit to which you tell Merchant Center what page to send that traffic to. So if you build a product page 
and you send your feed into Google Merch Center, Merch Center says, okay, so the product lives on that page. You're like, no, no, it lives on that page. But like, ah, 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 the feed says to go there. So you can use a tool like Data Feed Watch and you can send into Data Feed Watch your feed, change the, the URL of where that product lives before getting to Merchant Center. And then Merchant Center will tell Google Ads, when you launch this product, this product lives on this page here. That's the, that's the page you change. That's your long form landing page. You just have to make sure that it functions just like a regular product page where there's an add to cart and, and the full sales checkout. Otherwise, you'll get suspended for a broken checkout. But with final URL expansion, would PMAX do it itself or no? Um, no, uh, not for shopping. Shopping won't, won't use actually uh, URL expansion. That's, yeah. I feel like that's such a waste. It makes so much, so much sense too because you can't send a shopping ad to a non It's hard to know when they're going to, yeah. You could kind of be like, hey, I'd love to buy this product. And all of a sudden you arrive to the About Us. You're like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> Arms of Andy's is here. <laughs> right. uh, Arms of Andy says, hola todos. Ah, hola. Uh, Let me Google Translate that. <laughs> Brenda says, hola, Dave. How did we make Dave famous? This is our show, Dave. <laughs> hey, he's slowly infiltrating us. Yeah. Jason James. What's up, Jason? Nicholas is here. Arms of Andy's asks, here we go. Uh, how can we pull the listing group metrics, meaning conversions, conversion value spend through Google Ads API in-house without switching to Northbeam? The cost is too high. Yes. Unfortunately, there is no way yet. Even Google Data Studio won't pull that in. Um, Google built a functionality and then forgot to build the rest of it. Um, we <laughs> just got conversion, conversion value and spend inside of our listing groups like last week. Um, it was all conversions, all conversion value and, and all conversion rate and all conversion. Like it was, it was terrible. Um, so we just got the ability to even like see the actual conversions last week without turning off all of our conversion actions. Um, but there is no way to use any sort of third party, uh, even like, how about this, uh, to even pull the listing group, Nordbeam still can't do that. Mm. So, so even you, with the integrated API into a, yeah. Yeah. So even Nordbeam can't do that. So there is no way yet, period. It sucks. Sorry, arms of Andes. Yeah. Uh, Matt Nightingale's here. What's up, Matt? Militia's here. Archie Jeter. Archie says, what are the uh, advantages? Wait, who we do have, we have? We have Militia's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was a question. <laughs> I'm no, done. she's just giving us a shout out. Um, Archie says, what are the advantages and disadvantages of splitting up one product per asset group for PMAX? Brand only has eight products. How does this affect the shopping component of PMAX? Well, dis oh, advantages and disadvantages of splitting up one product per asset group. Oh, I actually, I prefer that. I try to do that. Um, and here's Especially what there's only eight products. I have a hard time thinking why you'd want all products in one asset group. All right. So here's the advantages. When you are Googling keywords that are around that particular product, you're going to see A, the correct shopping ad from the listing group. And you're going to see B, the proper search ad. So if I'm going to use some really stupid, simple examples red shoe, blue shoe, green shoe. If I have an asset group for red, blue and uh, red shoe and I have an asset group for blue shoe and I have an asset group for green shoe, I can front load it with my, my, in, uh, my signal to be people that type in red shoe in the red shoe asset group for the red shoe listing group. And then obviously the same thing with blue green. And when people actually go to Google and they type that in, then they're going to see the, the product that they need to see because it is, um, it is from the same, uh, well, actually let me do this. It's going to be from the proper, uh, asset group. So I'll, I'm going to share my screen and real quick before you do that, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm going to ruin your example, but red shoe, blue, blue shoe, green shoe. Those are technically product variants. Would you do a different product variant per asset group? No, if it's product variants, I would keep them, uh, keep okay. them the same. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's why I said it was going to be a really stupid example, but this is an example. I just got confused. <laughs> this is an example of a, of a client and, uh, it's kitsch. And so what you'll see is that if I use luxury shower cap as a quick example, this is one asset group doing this. Um, I front loaded the campaign to say, anybody that types in keywords like luxury shower cap, I want to show my asset group of luxury shower caps. And all the variants are in one asset group, but it's different than the bottle for beauty. It's different than anything else. So now I own, I own this area, I own this area, and I own this area, and I own this area for luxury shower caps. Is that branded search ad coming from PMAX? This isn't branded actually. Well, oh, because we're not searching for their brand name. I see what you're saying. Right. So rephrasing, is that search ad coming from PMAX? Correct. Uh, this is, never mind. Sorry, keep going. Nope. So in my asset group, though, you have five headlines, five long headlines, and five descriptions. 
Well, if I know that I'm trying to get people to search for luxury shower caps and I'm showing my luxury shower cap product and I'm showing my, uh, my ad in text, if I had one asset group here, it'd be like kitsch.com. We sell things for your hair. Like it's not going to say luxury shower cap or no slip or waterproof. So that's, that's where this gets, gets a little bit more detailed is the advantages is you can control the shopping ad, the display ad, the discover ad, and the search ad for that one product. What you'd have to say is if I had it all in one asset group, can you have one asset group with five headlines be descriptive enough for all eight of your SKUs? Mm. Can't see it. Uh, next up, Michael Arreguzzo. Doesn't performance max take away from standard shopping campaigns as well? I know it definitely takes away from smart shopping campaigns. No. So you can actually run a standard shopping and a performance max campaign at the same time. They will fight, but there's no there's no uh, golden rule like with smart shopping. Uh, the only golden rule is if you run smart shopping and performance max, performance max always wins. But if you run a standard shopping and performance max, the ad that has the better ad rank wins. What is ad rank? Who knows? It's not a real term. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not sure, but they'll get yeah. back to us when they've decided. It's a, it's a it's a fun way to say whichever one's going to perform better will just will win. That's literally what that means. Also from Michael, any recommended software for checking price competitiveness per SKU catalog score with three thousand SKUs? Actually, uh, could be. Um, give me one second. I'm going to hop into an account, and I think. Um, there's a, it's either a new beta or something that popped up recently that I was like, Ooh, what's that? Um, Google just announced this in the Google live too. It's mm -hmm. an in-app feature where Google will show you your competitors best pricing for e-com specifically. Yeah. And I remember I saw it, I had one and I was like, Oh, I got to check that out. And I didn't check it out yet. So I have to look at that. I've got to go um, find Ari's live. Oh, here we go. While you're looking for yours, I've got something to share. Yeah, let's go ahead and share that one while I'm looking for this one. All right. So uh, Ari, who uh, does all of our technical documentation here at Solutions 8, she's freaking brilliant. She put together this um, notes on Google Marketing Live, the presentation that Google did. And I, I did a video on it, so you all will get uh, access to it at some point. Dave, I know you can't see. Um, dude, this is really cool. The attribution insights. Did you see mm -hmm. that? Yep. I'm so no, excited. I think you got to blow it up there a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Whose side are you on? Um, <laughs> where the hell there's a, there was an e-com specific. Yeah. It's called like price comparison. Something. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Bam. Uh, showcase your, no, mm. there we go. See competitor strongest offers. Yeah. This one, I forgot exactly where it was. I'll have to see if I can find it and then we'll make a video about it. Um, Ah, I don't remember which account it was in. Okay, let's see if I can find that though. But yeah. Somebody, does DFW, because we were talking to him for a while, and I think they were going to do something comparative. But then they got bought, so that might have died. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear Datafeed Watch got purchased? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Max Vanders. Any specific things to consider when starting a PMAX campaign for B2C lead gen? Seller works in home security and has already a lot of regular campaigns. Yes. Yeah, so, well, two things. One, you have to contend with the fact that PMAX is going to compete with those existing regular campaigns. But the other thing is PMAX is very heavy spam right now for lead generation, like super heavy. Because most of the time when you look at a search campaign, you have the ability to say, I'd like to target people who are in, frequently in, or have interest in, and we usually choose in and frequently in, not who have interest in. D Pmax defaults to who is interested in, and then it goes on all the channels. So <laughs> it's like if you're interested in the United States and they're on YouTube, congratulations, we just found a way to target click farms. So that's the bad thing is it, it through its own de default settings, you can't turn off the inability to track or to go to a person who's interested in the United States that's also working at a click farm, essentially. So the issue, though, is you have to make the form extremely difficult to, to complete. Um, the ones that we see work the best are people with like 15 to 20 fields, uh, Southwest Building Solutions, as an example, is great. Or people that put them through a builder, RTA is another example of that. It's working really, really great. Anytime they have an account that's going through a kind of hard to complete form um, works well. 
uh, we had one client that figured out a way to actually block uh, like junk traffic that if you just like slam your hand on the keyboard and then try to hit submit, it goes to a four or four pages and hit the thank you page. So that, and then we just launched Pmax and that one, that one's working well too. But it, just know that you're going to be targeted. Um, so it may not even be worth running it. Or if you do, running it at a very small budget, $15, $20 a day, give it like, you know, a week or two and see, you're going to start to get conversions. Really look at those conversions. They're going to look real and they probably are real. Just, you know, there's going to be some similarities between the spam. Like it's always first name dot last name at Gmail or like first name dot last name, then two numbers at Gmail. Those are the spam ones. There was a study. Uh, I did a video on this study came out at York University. Um, enterprises have reported that up to 70 to 90 percent of clicks are receiving are generated by bots. Mm -hmm. Dude, spam yeah. traffic is a way bigger problem than I ever, ever, ever thought. Yeah. And it's and that's one of the reasons why performance max. I like it because it stops being targeted or stops targeting those those users when they don't get a conversion. And automated bidding strategy helps that. If you're running a manual CPC, you're never gonna see it. You're Good luck. Never, yeah. yeah, like you're telling Google, no, 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 see that bot? I want to pay only a dollar twenty-seven cents for that bot click. I'm like, all right, here you go. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, Matt Nightingale says, uh, "Peak for my brand is July and August. I have a successful smart shopping campaign running. Worried to switch to Pmax before, but I'm also worried that if I don't switch, it'll force me during peak. What would John do?" We need bracelets printed. You actually wouldn't have to change anything. Just <laughs> where what would Jesus do? Bracelet was calling me. Uh, man, this is like the most arrogant thing I've ever said. All right, so <laughs> uh, here's my my opinion. Um, we actually have clients that we're not switching to Performance Max manually. We're gonna wait until the smart shopping campaign turns into Performance Max. There's a risk, but the reason why we're doing that is because we started Pmax and it failed and it failed for two to three weeks. Um, if we don't have the time, the budget and the AOV, the average order value, the average order, if the average order value is too low and you switch to Pmax and it still fails, it's a long way around. It's a long way to get that to, to move up. The risk that we're doing with these clients is, and I've, I've talked to, to Google at length about this a few times and I can't use it as gospel because we all know that Google's like, eh, this should happen. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> so the risk here and the reward is if we wait for performance or for smart shopping to turn into performance max, one interesting thing I thought was really cool is they said you're going to be able to opt out of the video network when it transitions. That's cool because then you are removing yourself from potential spammy traffic. Um, the Good news is they said, if you do not add a signal and if you do not add any other assets, Performance Max will target the same four channels. And I don't know what they are. Google does. They just said Performance Max will target the same four channels your smart shopping campaign did. So essentially what I asked is, so it's just going to go from smart shopping into Performance Max, but still stay smart shopping. They said, yes. Now I have one person that said this like three days ago. Is this actually going to happen? Well, we tested Pmax and there was no signs of life there. So we have to try this. That's the only option. And I'm going from like a thousand row ass campaigns with 50 sales a day into a Pmax campaign that can't get over two X and five sales a day. Like, and I've been running on these smart shopping campaigns for over two years. I'm like, I just have to let these transitions. Um, so we'll see what happens. But my, my plan is for you would to be, if you can launch Pmax now and you can give it two to three weeks, if it fails every single time I've started, the smart shopping campaigns back up, it just blows right back up. And that was after 22, 23 days of testing Pmax. Um, I actually have a client here that I could share screen and show what it looked like. But the the big issue was, is because your smart shopping campaign goes so heavy in remarketing, what you have to understand is that when Pmax launches, Google's gonna say, hey, these 17 people that we're gonna buy tomorrow that I've been remarketing for for the last two weeks, I'm just gonna chuck them out the window and I'm going to go run and find some new people on Pmax. And then you're like, no, no, no. Remark to them, like, uh-uh, that's Pmax. We don't do the same thing as Smart Shopping does. So that's what you'll lose. Your funnel of all your returning and existing and warmed up traffic goes away. And you have to relearn that all through it. They said to skip that, launch it as a, or let Pmax turn in, or sorry, let Smart Shopping turn into Performance Max, but then you can't touch it. Like, as soon as you touch it, it goes away. 
So what I mean by that is like, you add an insight, it's like, okay, cool. So I have now somewhere to go rather than where I was going before. Yes, and forget all those people go off on my own. So that's the big thing. I, I'm not saying let it transition, then to start adding things. You have to let it transition and then not touch it. What I've been told, I have zero experience um, in this because it hasn't happened yet. So this is one way you can prepare for the most safe as effective. And if it transition and it still doesn't work, you have no choice. You have to now build out Pmax perfectly, but at least you did the safest option that was going to blow up anyway. Just out of curiosity, John, wouldn't it make sense to have a Pmax campaign built with, in its entirety with a ton of asset groups just ready to go in case everything blows up? That's why I would say build it and test it now. If it, so, if it, if it works, it should work. It won't work as effectively as a really you know season year to like years long smart shopping campaign. But if it doesn't work that well, then pause it, leave smart shopping on, let it transition. If it fails, turn that one back on. If it succeeds, I don't know what you're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like maybe start to slowly add in new assets and new insights and or new new signals. I always call a signal an insight, and maybe add new signals slowly. I I don't know. Um. I'm crossing that bridge with you all at the same time. That's my plan, though. Sean Meisel, this is awesome. I was preparing to try Pmax on my arcade consoles. Crushes it on YouTube and search and a little on shopping. Oh, uh, keep search and YouTube running. And launch Pmax in addition to. Pmax is not heavy YouTube yet, at least not that I can see. Um, and I'm, again, multiplying my cost per view and my views and looking at my view rate. And most of the time, it's like out of a $2,500 a week campaign, it's like 50 bucks. So what's nice is if you launch Pmax, don't pause your search on YouTube. Just launch in addition to on a smaller budget. See, does it help? Uh, it'd be really interesting. So very, very good idea. John's about to have a conniption on this one. Arms of Andes. For e-com, our brand name keyword is the only thing that appears organically in each search result on pages one through three of Google. No competitors bid on our brand name either. Should we have a brand campaign? No. <laughs> you disappoint I, me, John. <laughs> but what's funny is I, I, I'm okay with seeing branded performance packs because I have a very nice use case uh, that we'll probably want to turn into a case study that shows how it just kept going in the right direction. All of a sudden, after like two months, 80% of it's now non-brand uh, when it was only brand for about 60 days. Um, but you don't have to have a brand name. If you want to run a brand campaign, run it at $5 a day. Because if you launch performance max, you're going to make yourself target. Because you're going to start to get competitor traffic, which means you're going to get to your ads for sure. Bingo. But you don't um, need one. No. Dave says nobody calls it a value bomb except costume. People call it a value bomb. Serhi, <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's Sergey. How do I say your mm -hmm. name? Please and thank you. Uh, we made one Pmax campaign, target one country, 150 euros a day, maximize conversions, two asset groups per category, total of 74 asset groups. Good job. After three weeks, the results are 3.5 conversions, but CPA went from uh, 255 to $24. What was it running before? Uh, he goes on to say, uh, for each product category, two asset groups with one custom audience and Search keywords and one with custom audience with purchase intentions. Can we improve something or not? Or should we just wait? If we modify images and videos or add keywords to the custom audiences, does the learning phase start again? Yeah, so here's here's the, the question is, what were you running before to get $2 conversions up to 24? If it was more like heavy brand, then yeah, that makes sense. But the other thing is, normally I'll launch multiple different asset groups for like a product, but I'll have one be uh, the search intent, which is search, search intentions, one search recently, one my own data and one interested demographic so right now you're kind of testing one network which is just the search network and the other areas are probably spending a whole bunch of money trying to target people on display youtube gsp discovered that they don't have a target for because they say that person didn't search so who else am i going after what are they interested in we're like we didn't tell you like well, what are your own your own people look like we didn't tell you so right now it could be that it's your if you look at the insights tab and you look at your search categories if your search categories looks really good it means that you need to add more targeting so you need to add in the um, uh, your own data in its own asset group, and then you need to add interest and demographic in its own asset group. So people interested in both either in infinity or in market or custom demographic, um, you need to add those two. So that will give you a whole rounded uh, strategy. He said he was running text and shopping uh, with manual CPC and automated rules prior to. 
Yeah, my question was, what was the search terms that you were getting? It was, was there a brand? Because $2 conversions to $24 conversions, your CPC on a $2 conversion has to be nothing crazy. Yeah, that's why I'm like, that's a that's an oddity um, yeah. to me. Jay, uh, just launched a DSA campaign two days ago to go along with my Pumax and brand campaigns. Ads are approved and eligible. No impressions. Is it normal to take a few days before I start running? DSA, yes. Everything else? Oh, no, sorry. DSA, Performance Max, and YouTube, yes. Uh, what DSA is doing is, is scanning your pages and it's, and it's pending. So if you actually go into your dynamic ad target settings of your DSA campaign, you probably should see like pending is, is what it'll say. If you still see pending, you're fine. What this means is it's essentially scanning your page and watching traffic at the same time. And then all of a sudden you're just gonna see, whoop, cause it's gonna say, okay, YouTube now meet. <laughs> and it's like the it's like the Mike Tyson gif where it's like he's holding two kiss. pigeons. You kiss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Ariraguzo, how important oh, is Google Analytics? Name. I know it's my favorite to say. Hopefully, Gorlami. Michael does you off. Uh, Gorlami. <laughs> <laughs> how important is Google Analytics when it comes to driving performance in Google Ads? Do you recommend GA4 compared to the previous Google Analytics property? I have very little experience in GA4, honestly. Um, I, we're we're working with a company to build out a GA4 instance. Um, we also have a lot of our clients who have hired big agency, not big agency, big like companies to build out their GA4. And I have not seen a successful GA4 implementation yet. So it's not that I don't, uh, it's not that I haven't tried is I, I really, it, well, it's, it's because also I haven't tried. I have not tried to build a GA4. I just keep seeing roadblocks everywhere that people that are spending a lot of money and have more hours in the day than I do to dedicate it to it can't figure it out. So I'm kind of, I'm waiting to learn, I should say. Uh, I'm very much in learning mode on this. GA4, the, the issue that is happening is on UA, if Cosm comes to the site twice in two days, it says a new user today and a new user yesterday and a new session, and it just counts Cosm every single time. GA4 says, oh, we're going to string along, and not string on, string together that user in, in what they call an event or a visit, like this visit came back. What they're seeing is that they're actually getting a replication. So if Cosm comes to the site once, and then comes to the site again the next day, it says you have two new users that are not related to each other. And they're like, well, that's that's a duplication. So we actually haven't used it for anything Google Ads related because it could potentially double count or triple count or not account at all. So we still use Google Tag Manager for everything. But in terms of driving performance in Google Ads, I still like UA's uh, audience segmentation because I could say if you've been to the site from Pinterest and you stayed longer than 10 seconds and you viewed more than two pages and you added something to the cart, I'm putting a thousand dollars a day to that person. Um, but that's what I mean is I still find the segmentation in UA for the custom audiences that you can import for remarketing much better um, in, in UA. Whether it's you you had two bounces or one bounces, I don't really care. I'm excluding bouncers. Um, so whether it counts you one times or 10 times, you're not in my audience. Uh, so hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Jay, do you find any benefit? <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Next question. Do you find any benefit to adding a bunch of secondary conversion events for clicking, viewing various page elements? Uh, <clears throat> uh you know, I, I, I used to, um, and then I started to go away from it. And then I, I went really far away from it from this last, last thing that came through. So I'll give you a small well, story. So the reason you went really far away from it though, is because, because Pmax was reporting on all conversions. <clears throat> now that sort that's of. fixed, sorry. Sort of. So here's what I thought was interesting. Um, we have a client that has a longer sales cycle on a very expensive product. So I was like, all right, cool. I need to find some reason and intent and then a lead generation. So I was like, who viewed the page, who stayed long, long yada, yada, yada. So I did all of the um, uh, fake conversions, I guess I would say. We call them essentially, uh, our, our term is vanity conversion. Like, it didn't actually do anything, but this is what it looks like. What we found is that we have very little tied together between pages for session uh, and session duration to the lead. And then we had even less correlation between what we imported back as a sale to those initial metrics. So what I used to have is, hey, this campaign has actually pretty good um, page session saturation, low bounce rate, and it actually has some really decent conversion rates on the conversion that we wanted. Plus, even cost for conversion was good. But then when we imported back what happened from from that lead to a sale, it was on the other campaign. 
that had really expensive leads and low engagement. So I think that if you're talking about lead generation, it can be very difficult to, to when you pipe back in that actual sale and then you look back and say, what led to that sale and what campaign, what ad group, what keyword, what ad was it, was it PMAX, was it not, what was the engagement of the users? We found that there was very little correlation and this is comparing 12 different uh, campaigns. And so where I would have put my money is the high converting, high engaging, low CPA campaigns. Those are actually producing the least amount of sales. What we found out is that, and this is something I would say, a 90% bounce rate can still have a 10% conversion rate. So that's an interesting point that you just made there. A 90% bounce rate can still have a 10% conversion rate. What a fun conversation that would be to have, because all it means is you're repelling the right traffic, but attracting the right traffic. As a matter of fact, you, you might want that. If you're doing proper qualification, the bounce isn't a negative KPI. Right. And so that's what's, what's interesting is the vanity metrics. I will never scale or optimize a campaign off vanity metrics. I'll use them as lead indicators, but the ultimate deciding factor is, did they buy or was that conversion turned into a sale? And that's my, my answer. So I still have no very much use for them. They're good to know at the beginning, like where you're seeing that, but don't make that your deciding factor say, ah, I should probably put less money here. It just still doesn't, still may not make sense. Nice. Um, by the way, Michael Ari Raguzo says he tipped us 10 bucks. Thank you, Michael. And he says, hey. uh, you say my name better than I ever could. Uh, thanks for answering my questions. I'm in the middle of onboarding with your agency, by the way. I'm also in Scottsdale. Yeah. Ah, sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Or one for the good guys. Arms of Andes. <laughs> well, first of all, Dave says solutions nine soon. <laughs> Arms of Andes for e-com fashion brand. Why is it better to have our segments done at the asset group level and not per campaign? We get Google Ads API metrics at the campaign level, but not the listing group level. For Ecom Fashion Brand, why is it better to have our segments done at the asset level and not per camp? Oh, okay. Um, well, you absolutely can do that. Um, so there's two two scenarios, but the 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 path through those scenarios are the same. And here's what I mean. <clears throat> If you wanted, if you, let's say you have a thousand SKUs and you're an e-com fashion brand, I would put everything in one campaign segmented by the asset groups, run an automated bidding strategy, maximize conversion value, maximize convergence with the daily ads, then scale it up to the point where you hit diminishing returns. And then the second part, because when you scale up to the point of diminishing returns, like we did with this other brand was 15 grand a day. We are trying to get to 25,000 and now we're actually doing this next scenario. The next thing is then we looked at all of the listing groups and the asset groups uh, in terms of the DSA portion where we look at the insights tab and we say, what is the best performing? And then we're going to take the daily average ad spends in those campaigns and then we're going to launch an individual PMAX campaign. It's simply a clone of the PMAX campaign and shutting off those asset groups here and leaving them enabled here. So if you had 10 asset groups and you, and you wanted to launch it, you just clone it, shut off the nine and leave the one live. So or shut the one in here and then show up the other nine. So essentially just transferring that asset group to its own separate campaign. That will allow you to scale up to that next level of diminishing returns because you're not fighting in between each other. However, if you have a thousand SKUs and you're going to launch an individual PMAX campaign, you have to ask yourself, okay, if I did separate, let's say 15 different categories, you have to spend six weeks at a daily ad spend for each one of those campaigns to then finally see what's performing the best. If you launch it all in one, the cream is gonna to rise to the top and then you scoop off that cream and then launch its own campaign with it. So my opinion would be, do you wanna spend $100 a day times 15 for six weeks? Or would you like to spend $500 a day for six weeks and find the best performing? It's it's up to you. If there's no wrong answer, it's just, are you gonna front load cash or and you're happy with some inefficiencies while you find that data? Or are you happy with possibly a little bit lower volume but a lot more profit to find that data? It's really, there's no wrong answer. It's just a, just a choice. Peter says, wow, thanks for the answers. That was a value bomb. Take that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dukas now. Hey, guys, just arrived. I hope you're doing well. We're living the dream, Tommy. I'm sorry I butchered your name. Uh, Jason James, here to hold us accountable. Regarding last week's discussion on the PMAX version of John's stair-stepping method, where Custom said pulling back ad spend should force Google to spend more efficiently, 
Does it make sense to cut back for the ad spend on an un- underperforming PMAX, all products with a dynamic remarketing campaign, keeping the same spend? Does it make sense to cut back for the spend for an underperforming few questions? How long has that PMAX campaign been running overall? And how long have you been running with an increased budget? If you are running at an efficient level and you increased and it became inefficient, you have to give it at least a month. And if it still is not not climbing up to more efficient levels, then yes, pull back. And you might have you might have to re-strategize before you try that again. What in, what what audiences are you targeting? Are is your feed optimized? Your landing pages, obviously, you know, conversion appropriate. There's everything that you left to like kind of re-look through before scaling back up again. Um, Arms of Andes. In which cases would you recommend turning on the URL expansion? We sell men's and women's clothing, leggings, sweaters, shirts, boxers, etc. I would always use URL expansion for your exact scenario, but exclude in the URL expansion things that you simply do not want, like your shipping policy, your possibly your blog. Um, you can turn on later, but no use sending cold traffic right to your blog and then try to measure it what the row has. That's not going to happen. So exclude your obvious pages that you're not going to convert or even watch a show. But I always use URL expansion for, for that because you have a person that was a previous user that bought a sweater six months ago that is now coming back and buying board shorts because of summertime. And you're like, ah, you know, I know you want to remarket that user, but you cannot be sent anywhere else now because you're locked into that asset group. So I always use URL expansion unless I just see issues, but I don't, I don't see issues with it. Uh, Dave Fogel talking about bot says uh, you're still paying for the bot clicks regardless of the PMAX, which is a huge waste. The hope there though, Dave would be that over time, if it's conversion optimizing, Google will start avoiding bots. That's why we want the, the, the barrier to entry to be so high. Yeah. Well, you're all, you're also paying for bot clicks on every display campaign as well. Um, you're, you're paying for bot clicks everywhere. Uh, that's, that's the bad part. I, I mean, in search, you're not as frequent for sure. Um, and Pmax isn't a isn't a cure all for everything. There's absolute limitations. One of them is heavy heavy bot traffic. There's also heavy growth though. Um, so it's it's a it's a tool in a toolbox. It's not like the only tool, but it, it is a tool, and you have to know that hey, this Phillips head is going to be really good at Phillips, but horrible at flatheads. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the the scenario there. Um, Max Vanders is going to launch Pmax. Has 13 fields. Uh, Matt Nightingale. Started Pmax in other countries and it's performing. That's great. I'm not seeing. Oh, you're not using that little cool. No, I, I'm posting them up when they're actual questions. Gotcha. Here we go. Dave Fogel. Uh, if there's that much bot click traffic, why does click cease not work? Oh, it, it it sort of works. The problem is just like for your previous example, Dave. You're paying for it still. So click sees is the cop that comes up and says someone's been murdered. The problem is there's so many murders that by the time you get through all the murders, then it's gonna start to work. <laughs> so ClickSee says, hey, you've got a bot click and we banned it. And you're like, sweet. And then the next day it's like, hey, you got another bot click. We banned them. And that just never ends. Yeah. We tried ClickSees on five accounts. Three of them it hurt the campaign performance of. So it was blocking traffic that we apparently didn't want to block because ROAS dipped. Two of them, like mild improvements, but nothing significant. And now, those, outside of normal optimizations, really. Here's the other thing, y'all. They came to us and offered us... Uh, a promo spot like they wanted they they wanted to we had every reason to want to make clicksies work um but it, it, you can't promote something if it, if it wasn't working from a case study perspective yeah i would say clicksies did work for one client that had just only inbound dsa traffic within like a 75 mile radius of their location because their competitors were jerks um and everyone knows what that means so i did block their competitors from clicking on their ads a bunch um and it did help. That was the one that I was like, man, amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's again, small town clicks from people that it's like, Bob, would you stop clicking on my ad? Like that's how that scenario was. So we just banned Bob. Uh, that's how, so it worked. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it as a blanket catch all like, aha, bot traffic is now fixed. Just ban Bob. <laughs> um, Sean GG. Hey guys, how do we introduce sales assets? Memorial Day, Black Friday, the PMAX. Do we just pause asset groups, one run asset group during that time period? <laughs> This is something that has been very, very, very difficult and is a great, great, great question. So for the things like for sale events, um, I have not found a good way to not screw up good, consistent growth performance and still run assets that are sales related. 
my SOP, and it's not efficient, it's just what's been the least damaging, I would say, is only running um, GMC promotions. Um, now, if you're running Pmax for lead generation, change your headline, I would say, is is going to be the best option for you. Um, but for, for sales for e-commerce, I always will run site-wide sales, and I will only put it in GMC. The reason being is that when you change an asset group inside Performance Max, there's a three-week lag. There's a three-week lull. So if you're running like a week-long sale, it's like, okay, so I'm going to screw it up for a week, and then I'm going to run for a week, and then I'm going to screw it up again while I change it back, and then I'll, and now my sale actually went and dipped. So I found that if you leave everything in even keel and only throw in, throw in the promotion via a GMC, you stick a badge on all of your asset groups without changing anything in your asset groups. Your shopping portion says sale, like all that stuff is still good there. You're just not changing around your headline. But again, you're 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 saying I'm not going to screw up a month worth of good traffic because I want to change my headline from like sale today. Eh, was that really worth it? No. But a GMC promotion is. So I would say still just stick with GMC promotions whenever possible. Um, I wouldn't be going around changing your PMAX settings just for a short sale. It's not worth it. You won't actually spend more. You'll spend less inefficiently during that sale. It's counterintuitive. Again, only in performance max. Uh, Michael Ari Raguzo, any workarounds to PMAX limits on subdividing products to a thousand? Workarounds on PMAX limits on subdividing. Oh, are you talking about on like your 100 asset group? Um, <laughs> so actually, um, one thing that we did is um, depending upon the structure, and Michael will still see your account when you're when you're onboarded, but if there is many different um, variants, geez, I'm blanking on the name. If there's many different variants, is that the reason why there's a thousand SKUs? Is it like, you know, a hundred SKUs and 10 variants? We'd actually want to build it out to only the first variant or the most popular variant, I should say. But if it's actually a thousand unique SKUs, we would launch multiple performance max campaigns just using the same exact daily budgets. It acts the same because performance max can remarket other performance max traffic. So it's essentially like if you have two 500R campaigns with 500 SKUs, you have one $1,000 per day campaign with a thousand SKUs. It's kind of like that. They'll still <laughs> get tied together. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, I just Googled Michael, by the way. He's like legit famous. Hey. Yeah. Happy to have you on board, Michael. We'll get your autograph. <laughs> uh, Steve Babulo. I duplicated a PM campaign, but only 52 of my 96 asset groups copied over. Tried it twice. Same results. Is this normal? No, uh, that try sucks. that's just the worst thing I could possibly. Uh, oh man, <laughs> I would try uh, Google Ads Editor. Google Ads Editor supports PMAX now, so try to see if you can export it and then import it, or sorry, export it and post. I guess is what's called. Uh, Arms of Andes, if our PMAX does not have the desired ROAS, would you recommend a DSA campaign with TCPA? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing too. Performance Max can stand really well on its own, and if it can't, throw in all the other campaigns you're running before um so here's what i would say is like smart shopping can't run it with pmax everything else will fight that's not bad it just means that the area that performance max is going is either going to be better than what you're currently doing or worse than what you're currently doing so it's not a here's how to change everything into performance max you can i've done it many times and i've had much better success but I've also had the times where I've added it on and just gave it like a 30% bump. I've had times where I added on and it failed. Sometimes I don't start at all. Don't stick to any golden rules. Remember when I, when PMAX first came out, one of our first, like, I think lives, I said, there's no more golden rules anymore. Like that's still true. Everything is so unique now. So if it doesn't have the desired ROAS, reduce spend and start to look at why. Look at your targets. Are they well? Look at your assets. Are they well built out? Are you using 20 images, five uh, videos, and five headlines, five long headlines, five descriptions? Do you have them replicated four different ways to different targets? All those things, too. You have to, you have to, and then have you given it six weeks without touching it? Like all of those things are, are still the standard operating procedure, but don't make it like the sole focus and say, this is the future, right? Not Pmax. No, it's, it is, but you grow into it. Um, you want to do rapid fire? Let's do it. 
Toy Schnip, what is the best way to use top performing audience segments insights? Should we add these insights to our audience signal of each asset group or does Google optimize for us? No, I wouldn't actually add any of those. The problem is the top performing audience segments insights in your Google ads account or even your analytics are sometimes just because it's like, hey, the people that are interested in Mother's Day shopping also needed a can opener. Well, that's because people that were shopping for Mother's Day shopping, those 10 people also need a can opener, but don't go after everybody that's interested in Mother's Day shopping. That was just a fixture of their personality that week. So I wouldn't I wouldn't start there, no. <laughs> a fixture of their personality that week. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, Sarah, hey, responding to the previous thing that we went over when you were asking what would the, the, the cost of the CPC is, search terms are only long tail keywords are from our products and the average CPC was 15 cents. If it was long tail keywords and 15 cents, I wouldn't do Pmax. I would scale the crap out of that thing. I wouldn't, I would not. If you're getting 15 cent clicks and $2 conversions, scale that thing to the moon and then launch Pmax. John, is your SOP manual CPC first with the phrase match for all accounts no. using Pmax? No, pure broad. Pure broad and automated bidding strategies. I don't use manual CPC very much at all unless I'm going after like uh, uh, slip and fall. Like uh, we have a client that we tried Pmax for, didn't really work. And I'm like, we have to pay $65 a click for injury, accident, attorney, or me. Like then I'll, then I'll need to be there. Jay, you mentioned in a prior video that you run a remarketing campaign in addition to Pmax. Would you do this even if you're targeting new and old customers with Pmax? Yes, so Pmax is more heavily derivative to a new customer. So it's gonna say, I have 10 people here I can remarket, or I have 10 new people. It'll choose eight of the new people and two of the old. So the other eight of the old are just kind of hanging out, not getting impressed with ads. So run either a discovery remarketing, a display remarketing, or a YouTube remarketing. We've had some display remarketings just blow up and make everything amazing. We've had some display remarketings kill everything. And then YouTube remarketing blow up everything again. I'm getting 800 ROAS on my YouTube remarketing after launching Pmax when I couldn't get over like 200. So test different styles of remarketing. Max, just thinking about hidden fields for lead gen. Uh, don't know if it prevents bot traffic from converting. Worth trying to guess. Yeah, our CTO tried this. Um, and then Glenn, one of our CMs came up with this honeypot idea. They kind of work but not really and the problem too is it's not it's not bots, bots it's, yeah. it's click farms um, good thinking though max dave mm -hmm. if you exclude any location that is not relevant to your ads uh, i.e india china does that have an effect on bots even states that you don't want to target no no because the bots or the click farms use vpns to the united states and so google ads is like i only received a click from united states and it's like the the lead says i live in india ha ha, ha. like i mean it's that obvious <laughs> <laughs> Uh, since we have 74 asset groups and the limit is 100, how do you recommend integrating the additional audiences? Do I group multiple audiences under the same asset group? Uh, I would actually launch different PMAX campaigns because it's still remarket in and of itself. So that's the thing too, is you can have five PMAX campaigns, even going after the same uh, listing groups and the strongest asset group will win, but they will share. So be mindful of your, your attribution model. Tommy, for a sale like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, if I add it as a promotion extension on my whole account, does it reset the learning of my campaigns? Nope. That's no, I, that's that's a standard operating procedure. That's what I was saying is I add a promotion. Oh, um, well, when you say promotion extension, uh, are we talking about through GMC promotions? Or are we talking about like through an ad extension? I don't know what that means. Um, but I add it to the whole account and it does do better. Um, there will be a lull after the sale, but it comes back pretty much easy. Dave claims that he's famous. Uh, Dave, I still don't understand if you need to leave Pmax alone that long. Uh, who do you? Who do you do anything? What? Who do you do uh, anything time sensitive? Oh, how do you how do you do anything time sensitive? Are you drinking, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do uh, do promotion extensions work in Pmax? No. So that's the thing is they don't the promotion extensions don't work in Pmax. Um, the uh, promotion extensions only will work in GMC inherited through Pmax, and then you'll need to use um, well not yet anyway. Promotion extensions may work, uh, but they don't currently. Um, but that was the thing is like, if you do anything time sensitive, that's what I was saying before, is you have to do it only through GMC. You don't touch your PMAX campaigns. I have done it through PMAX campaigns till I'm blue in the face. And then every single time it's like, well, that sale sucked. It's like, no, it's just, it took too long optimized for. So if you want to launch a Black Friday, Saturday Monday sale in September, yeah, I'll be really well optimized for that sale. But you run that sale all the way till that, that point. Uh, Dylan says, when do you add budget for PMAX? Whenever I've hit goal, that is consistent for two to three weeks. Matt Nightingale, best performing audience signals you've tried? Audience affinity, in-market keywords, websites? In-market uh, with an overlap of affinity. 
uh, or sorry, uh, sorry, the audience that goes best is keywords, then it's in market, and then it's um, affinity, and then the it's keywords market. outperform in, in market. Yeah, only because the DSA portion is a good majority of the traffic. The in market goes more towards outbound campaigns like YouTube, GSP, mm. uh, search, uh, display, and discover. But if you your two main areas of PMAX are DSA and shopping, um, so that part when you give it keywords, the people that convert are still typing in a keyword into Google to get either the search or shopping. Yeah, I just always thought in-market was going to be, I mean, Google knows what people want to buy. When you overlap those two, ah, that's when it's great. Yeah. Um, to all of our members and subscribers, thank you so much. We love you dearly. We're going to see you next Friday. In the meantime, peace. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation. Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation, I said action plan. A bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com, sol8.com.